if you would like to give to that Christmas offering, um, you can go ahead and uh, I believe there are envelopes um, in the entryway and uh, you can put that in our offering box there in the entryway if you would like to give towards the Christmas offering. I like how that video says we're in this together, right? Um, We can do so much more together than we can do on our own. Would you turn in your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 1? Genesis chapter 1, we'll be getting in verse 1, and uh, for our Advent series uh, this, this year, we'll be looking at creation, fall, and redemption. Uh, so this week we will be in Genesis chapter 1, and then the following week, next week, we'll be in Genesis chapter 3, and, uh, and then that'll take us up to Christmas. So, um, and then we will likely be in either Matthew or Luke for that section. Um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And if you are able to, uh, would you please stand in order to honor the reading of the words of our God? It's, uh, I'm going to read all of chapter 1 and a couple of verses of chapter 2. So if you are unable to, uh, no, no, no worries there. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The word of God says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for the seasons and for the days and the years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great creatures and every every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. 
And God said, let the, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God said everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Let us pray. Father, we come before you now this morning and God, we thank you for your word. Your word that creates, your word that brings life, and your word that helps us relate to you. Lord God, I ask now that you be glorified through the preaching of your word, so that every heart might confess that Christ is Lord. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Why are you here? I mean, why are you here at First Baptist Church this morning, but why are you here on earth? What are you created for? Is there any meaning in life? Or, or, or who are you? These questions and, and others like them are raised over and over and over again in our culture, in movies and poems and song. And friends, apart from God, those questions cannot be fully answered. And apart from Genesis chapter 1, those questions can't fully and truly be answered. Or, or let's think about it this way. If we attempted to answer who we are apart from God, the creator of all things, then there is no lasting meaning in this life. And life would ultimately just be vain. It would be a vain repetition over and over and over again. Everything that happens here would just be by chance. And friends, if the universe is just by chance, then we would have no basis for understanding our human relationships. We, had, we would have no basis for understanding justice. We'd have no basis for understanding life. We'd have no basis for understanding the importance of the coming of Christ, the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian worldview that's expressed here in Genesis chapter 1 stands in sharp contrast to the chance happenings in this world. We are here today 
because God has made us. You are here today because God made you. The universe is here because God created you. There is meaning in life because there is a sovereign creator and ruler and sustainer of this world. As, as we saw last week in, in Paul's, uh, Paul's sermon there in Acts 17, right? There is meaning in life because there is one who has created the world and there is one who sustains the world. The world is not a result of just chance, of mere happenings. The universe exists. We exist because we are the result of our creator, God. As we look at Genesis chapter 1 today, Genesis 1 and 2 are passages that are widely debated today. And there were all sorts of questions that are raised today about this creation account that weren't technically raised by the original readers, such as how long were the days in which God created? Were they 24-hour days? Were they an age of days? I believe they were 24-hour days. What other questions are raised today? Well, there's the, were they 24-hour days? Were they ages? Is there a gap between verse 1 and verse 2? What was God doing before creation? And friends, those are all incredibly important questions. But as we seek to answer and ask those questions, we can easily get lost in these questions and miss the beauty of this passage and really miss the wonder of the Creator God. Now hear me, friends. I'm not saying those questions are not important. But many people will get so lost in those questions that they miss the beauty and the wonder of the Creator God revealed here in Genesis 1 and 2. You know, many people stay away from Genesis 1 and 2 because it's a cause of so much debate today. But to stay away from creation, to stay away from the understand, to stay away from Genesis chapter 1 is detrimental to our understanding of Christianity. It's detrimental to our understanding of, of viewing the world around us. And it's detrimental to our understanding of the gospel. As I mentioned, we're going to have an Advent series over the next couple of weeks. It's going to, we're going to explore creation, we're going to explore fall, and we're going to explore redemption. Three of the major movements that we see in Scripture. And so to stay away from Genesis chapter 1 is to, be, is, to, is to be detrimental to our understanding of why Jesus had to come in the first place and how he alone can save. One pastor put it this way, Genesis chapter 1 lays the foundation of our Christian faith. Understand this, friends, the gospel story, the good news about who Jesus Christ and what he has done, it, it calls us to trust in him to trust in Christ and to turn away from our sin against God. And, but it doesn't make sense without knowing who our sin is against. It makes no sense. Why should we turn away from our sin and why should we turn back to God if we do not know who we are created by God? So this chapter helps us understand the big picture the beginning of God's plan of redemption for the world. It helps us understand who our sin is against. Andrew Fuller, an English Baptist pastor in the 1700s, said of 
the Genesis accounts here, the Genesis creation account here in Genesis 1 and 2, he said this, in the first page of this sacred book, a child may learn more in an hour than all of the philosophers in the world learned without it in thousands of years. There is a majestic sublimity in the introduction. There's no apology, there's no preamble, no account of the writer. You are introduced at once into the very heart of things. No vain conjectures about what was before time, nor why things were done thus and thus, but simply so it was. In other words, he's saying that there's no sort of introduction, right? When you write an essay, you want to introduce what's happening. No, the the Word of God begins with God. No introduction to who He is, simply just stating that this is the God who created all. I already mentioned how much is how much these verses are debated, and modern scholars today treat these passages as anything other than actual history. It's treated much like the legend of Zeus or maybe the epic of Gilgamesh, but that's not the view of the rest of the Bible. Creation is real history. Friends, this account really did happen. In the words of Francis Schaeffer, this happened in real time and space history. And that's the view of the rest of the Bible about this account. Look with me, uh, turn with me to, to Psalm 33. If you look with me at Psalm 33, verses 6 and 9, you will see that this really happened. You might be saying, well, yes, I believe that this really happened. Well, guess what? There are many people today who do not believe this really happened. And so where can we point them to? We can show them that Scripture itself declares that this was real history. Genesis 33, verses 6 and verse 9. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. Skip on down to verse 9. You see that it says, For he spoke, speaking of the one true God, Yahweh, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. In other words, Scripture itself attests to the fact that this is real time and space history. Or if you turn to the Gospel of Matthew uh, 19, verses 4 and 5, Jesus went, when he's asked a question he, about divorce, he points back to Genesis 1 and 2. And he says in Matthew 19, verse 4, he says, He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So the beginning of Genesis, friends, is as real as the rest of the New Testament. It's as real as the present in which we live now. And friends, if Jesus took these passages as truthful and real, why should we not? Do we think we really know more than the one through whom all things have been created? So with that foundation that this is real, true history, not just poetic retelling of the beginning of creation, but this really happened. What we're going to see as we unpack the rest of Genesis 1 is that we're going to see God the Creator. We're going to see Him. He is the God who creates by His Word, and He relates to us by His Word. 
So take a look with me. Starting in verse 1 and 2, we see God the Creator creating by His Word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You also see that that in verse 2 it explains that the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So notice how the Bible begins. It begins with God. And, And so much of the focus and debate on this passage is placed heavily on creation. How these things happened and how God made them and in what way. But what we see here is the focus isn't simply on the how, but on the who. The first words of Scripture indicate the central character in the creation narrative is God, not the created order. The first subject of Genesis, the first subject of the entire Bible, is God. And what it shows us is that the Bible is not about man. It's not man's thoughts about God. No, no, the Bible is about God. His plan and His purpose for the world. And so the heavens and the earth, we see that God created the heavens and the earth. This is real technical language here. And let me explain it for you. The heavens and the earth, that literally means everything. It's not very technical. That wasn't a good joke. You guys can laugh later. But (laughs) I'll laugh at my own joke. That's okay. Uh, So God created Everything, literally everything was created by God. As Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. In other words, friends, God had no beginning, but the universe did. Since God is the creator, all of creation exists for him it exists for his praise it exists for his glory even you and me and all of creation is meant to testify to the creator it all points to the fact that there is one who is greater than ourselves there's one who has created all as one of my favorite passages from the psalm psalms 19 verse 1 says the heavens declare the glory of god and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. In other words, when we go outside and we look up into the sky, that they are screaming out to us that there is a creator. And friend, are you living as if that is the case? Are you living as if that is true? Or do you live as if as if you are your own creator? You are your own We are meant to praise and glorify God in all that we do because we are created by Him. And and notice, I want you to see that God created the world out of nothing. Meaning that there was not some pre-existing matter floating around in the universe and then He formed the world with it, maybe through through, uh, some big explosion or things like that. No, God spoke and the world was create you know we create things today don't we but we create out of what was all what is already there the artist creates beautiful artwork out of things that have already existed canvas a paint or a paintbrush or 
An engineer creates a building out of steel and concrete, or, or, or I create Legos with my kids that only get destroyed in a matter of minutes. But I can't speak and make these great creations. No, it's a long and complex pro- process. But God spoke, and the world was created. And Hebrews 11, verse 3, points us to that reality. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So we start here by understanding that God spoke and the world was created. And we see this emphasized over and over and over again throughout this passage here. We also see that that when God initially created it, the earth was without form and void. And and, and there's there's these the dark the, the darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. What we see here is that before God ordered everything through his speech, before God was speaking and commanding the earth, it was without form and void. There's darkness over the face of the deep. What meant here is that the earth was chaotic without form, without void, the face of the waters. For the original hearers, the sea represented chaos to them. It's something that could not be contained. It was something that couldn't be mastered. It was something that couldn't be predicted. But then what happens? A voice is heard. And the world is no longer chaotic. It's no longer chaotic. And now it's going to be turned into something that's orderly and something that's beautiful. There's no longer chaos. There's now beauty and there'll be life. And that's what we see in verses three and following. We we see that God creates by his word. It says, and God said. God spoke his word and these things that he said came about. In fact, 10 times in these in Genesis one, it's reported that God said that's important. God said and what he said, what he commanded happened. God said, let there be lights, and there was light. So God spoke, and there was light. God spoke, and the waters were separated. God spoke, and there were plants and trees and vegetation. God spoke, and there was the sun, the moon, and the stars. God spoke, and there were living creatures in the waters. God spoke, and there was living creatures on the land. God spoke, and man and woman were created in his image. God spoke, and man and woman were called to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth. God spoke, and man had food. God spoke, and what he said happened. He uttered his decrees, he issued his commands, and the very thing is done. God, the one true God, is a God who creates by his word. And so Genesis 1 is showing us and is portraying God as the sovereign king of the universe. Kings of old, when they would speak, what they spoke was meant to be done and put into law. Here we see that the king of the universe, God speaking, and what he commands is done. It shows us that ultimately nothing happens outside of his will, outside of the will of God. He is sovereign and he is in control of all things. Through the power of his word, he created the universe. And through the power of his word, he will sustain the universe. One last thing, one other thing I want I want you to see here is that when God created the lights, this was incredibly important for the nation of Israel, for the people of God to understand. 
Remember that, that this is written to the Israelites who feared many of the nations around them. And who did the nations around them, who did they serve? They served their pagan gods, gods of the sun, gods of the moon. But here we see those pagan gods the sun, of the sun and the moon were not gods, but they were rather lights created by God for the goodness of the earth. Not to be worshipped because they're created by the Creator. They are not the Creator themselves. The sun and the moon and the stars are as much as God's creation as the fish of the sea or the grass of the field. And the pagans around them worship these things as God, but they are not. Rather, they are created by God. And friends, this speaks truth into our lives today. Our destiny is not held by the sun and the moon and the stars or their interpretations through some sort of horoscope or some fortune cookie you read. No, our destiny is held by the sovereign creator of all things. And this creation account is written so God's people would rightly view the world and that would also give them hope that they are not at the mercy of these ridiculous gods around them, but under the protection of the one sovereign creator who spoke and the heavens and the earth were created. God is the God who spoke and the world was created through his word. And the creation account here shows us that there is one true God and there are no rivals. So God speaks here and he creates by his word. But I also want us to see that God relates to man and woman through his word as well. So God speaking shows us his power, but it's also going to show us that through his word is how he relates to the world. So we have creation by word, by word shows God has chosen to relate to all of us as well by his word as well. God being creator of all tells us through his word how we should live. So God creates by his word and God relates by his word as well. And as we're going along, we'll see that as God creates man and woman in verses 26 and 27, we see that he is relating to them as well by speaking to them directly. Look with me at verse 26 of chapter 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And he blesses them. And God said in verse 28, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the, the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves Here we see that God created man and woman. Re repeated three times in verse 27 that God created, showing the uniqueness of man and woman set apart from the rest of creation. In our world today, this is not a common held belief that, that, that man is any different than the beasts of the world. But here we see in Genesis chapter 1, that God has created us for a purpose and we have been created in his image. And what does that mean? What does that mean that we've been created in God's image? And there's all sorts of interpretations and, to, and explanations of what it means to be created in God's image. 
from a sentence long to a page long to a book explanation. But I think paying attention to the context helps us understand. This text calls attention to how man and woman are those who have dominion over the things of this earth. In other words, we have a responsibility for subduing the earth. It means that we care and we rule over creation in one sense. We rule by our care. So in other words, I think some aspect of the image of God means that we manage God's kingdom on his behalf. And in one sense, we're a reflection, not perfectly, but we are a reflection of God's stewardship, of God's ruling over this world. And let's just say this, friends. There is no higher compliment that can be given to any one of us than the fact that we are created in God's image. Every single person in the world today is made in the image of God. Notice it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Notice that. Male and female. Not just male. Not just female, but male and female are both created in the image of God. And no other worldview, no other religion taught that. That male and female are created equal in the image of God. Friends, this points us to the sanctity of all human life. Every single person has dignity. The sanctity of human life is found in the fact that we are all created in the image of God. That's why Christians are involved in the care for the unborn. Because it's an image of God issue. In fact, if you were to skip over to Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, it says that the shedding of human blood and murder was prohibited. Why? Because man is created in God's image, in the image of God. And so the Christian worldview declares that all human beings from, from conception, in other words, we like to say from the womb to the tomb, have dignity and worth. Because man and woman is created in God's image. You know, that's why we pray for this Supreme Court case that's going on right now, right? That God's will would be done in the midst of that situation so that abortion would no longer be uh, federally su supported and federally funded. Because when we murder somebody, we're killing somebody, whether it's in the womb or out of the womb, that was created in God's image. Dr. Moller, the president of Southern Seminary, put it this way. The Christian worldview insists that the face of a child with Down syndrome is infinitely more beautiful than an airbrush model on the cover of a fashion magazine. In other words, friends, we are those who hold to the belief that every single person has virtue and has beauty, no matter their skin color, no matter their intelligence, no matter their ability to understand things mentally, but every single one of us, every single person ever born, ever conceived, has virtue and dignity because of what is said here in Genesis chapter 1. That both male and female are created in the image of God. Part of this image of God involves stewarding His creation. And we see in verses 28 through 30 that God has given man and woman a task. God has given man and woman the task to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and to subdue it, to bring it under dominion. 
They're bringing into submission. In other words, God is telling man to have a family and work. You know, friends, work is actually not a result of the fall. Work took place before the fall. Work happened in the Garden of Eden. And I hope this isn't going to be a shocker to you, but work is going to happen in the new heavens and the new earth. Work is not bad, it's a gift. Work is one of the ways in which we have dominion and we subdue creation. Rebellion against God is actually to see work as evil. When God has said it was good and He's commanded man to do it, when you don't do it, you're rebelling against God. Now, I don't mean simply just getting a paycheck. So I understand we're at various all of us are at various stages of our life, right? Whether you're retired or not, whether you're in school or not, we all have work that God has given to us. So when we complain about whatever that work is, we actually are lying about God's creation. We're lying about the image of God that he has given us, the task that he has given us. So how can you work, whether it be in your schoolwork, whether it be in your retirement, whether it be in your 9-to-5 job or your 24-hour job. How can you work in a way that brings God glory? One, one other thing I want us to see here is how chapter 1 ends. So God has created everything, and you notice that after every day it says, and it was good. But look at verse 31. And God saw everything. So he has created everything that he had made. And behold, what? It was very good. So far, God had been declaring his creation good. But now as the six days of his work, his creating work is done, God looks out on his creation and he declares it very good. And all of creation is meant to be a mirror into which we look and we see God's work around us. God's sovereign work, His sovereign goodness, and His infinite wisdom. Think about God's goodness in creation. That should lead us to be thankful, and that should lead us to trust Him. When we go outside and we're confronted with the majesty all around us, with His beauty that is all around us, and we live in a wonderful place where we get to experience that, right? We're not socked in with fog like the lowlanders in, in Fresno and the surrounding areas, right? No, we get to go outside, and the minute we leave these doors, we see the beauty and the majesty of God. And that should cause us to praise Him. And that should cause us to thank Him. But then we begin to look at the world, and it doesn't appear very good, right? Well, that wasn't so at the beginning. Genesis explains to us why and how things have changed. It shows us where it's all where it all started. And then, as we'll see next week, it shows us where it went wrong. How man and woman in their sinfulness rebelled against God. So God created the world as His kingdom, and He declared it to be good. He declared that it was very good. But Adam and Eve sin against God and sin enters into his good kingdom. And creation that was once perfect and very good is now imperfect. God spoke in the very beginning and the world was created. 
But now we understand, living on this side of the New Testament, that God has spoken through the word, through his divine word, through his son. John 1 says of the divine word, if you want to turn there with me, John 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Friends, all men and women are going to be judged by this divine word that God has spoken now through the Lord Jesus Christ. We will all be judged whether or not we are found in Christ. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says similarly that God has now spoken to us through his son. It says, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. In other words, we're saying that God has spoken to us through his son. As we'll see next week, that God created everything perfect. He created it good, but then man rebelled against God. And now we are separated from God. But now God has spoken to us through his divine word, the word of Christ. And now he is reconciling all things to himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, there's meaning in life because history is flowing and it's heading and it's leading somewhere. And in fact, actually, Romans chapter eight speaks of how the world is not as it should be. And that's why when we go outside, we're confronted with the beauty of his creation. And then we look at our lives and we look at the lives of those around us and we see that it's not perfect. And Romans one speaks about how the world, it, it, it is it is groaning, desiring to be set free set free from the bondage of sin. Friends, creation will one day be returned to peace that was once held before the fall when Christ returns and makes all things new. When he removes sin and he removes death from this world. Friends, God spoke and the world was created. He controls the world's destiny. And one day Christ will return again and he will speak. And he will defeat all his enemies. The question is, will you be with Christ? Or will you be defeated by Christ? He controls the world's destiny through his word. He controls our destiny through his word revealed in Christ. So what we've seen in Genesis 1 and 2 is we've seen that God creates by his word. He brings life. It comes through his word. He also relates to us. By his word. We understand fully and we understand clearly that that comes through the word of Christ. Now, on this side of the new covenant, we see how God creates the word in flesh. And he relates to us now through faith in his one and only son, who came to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Father, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in your word. This reminder of 
who you are. That you are the God who speaks. And what you say comes to pass. Lord God, we thank you that we can come to know you through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you have spoken to us clearly through him, through revealing him to us by your word. Father, I pray that if there are any here this morning who have not come to trust in Christ, that they would do so today. That they would see that you have clearly spoken to us through him. So that we can have hope and we can have life for all eternity. Father, I pray that as, as we go from here, as we see the brokenness of the world around us, that we would be moved to action. That we would be moved to share the good news that you have spoken. You have spoken through Christ. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We, uh, we continue in prayer now through...